Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. I'm currently on a book tour around the United States and hope to see you. Find the schedule of my events at warisalie.org. It's my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Micah Caps schubert She is the co-founder and current manager of The Clearing Barrel GI Coffee House in Kaiserslautern next to the Rammstein Air Base in Germany. This is the only GI Coffee House outside the United States. A longtime peace and justice activist in Germany, Micah is a counselor with the Military Counseling Network the German branch of the GI Rights Hotline, which provides free, confidential, and accurate information on U.S. military regulations and practices to members of the U.S. military, veterans, and their families. She has also helped build critical support for U.S. war resistors in Germany since 2003. Micah Caps-Schubert, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. It's wonderful to learn. I didn't know that there is a GI coffee house in Germany. I know this is a tradition from the Vietnam War era, and and I've heard of uh, and been to recently opened coffee houses in Texas and I think in Washington State. Is, is there really nothing like this in Korea or Japan or Italy? I mean, you're you're the only one outside the United States. Yes, as far as I know, yeah, we're the on- only ones outside the U.S. Um, doing the work with the GI rights hotline. Yeah, there there should be more, but there unfortunately there isn't. Yeah, I mean, it was the the cafe, um, the GI coffee house has been here since 2012, but um, in general, the work of the military council network has quite a long tradition. It kind of started off in uh, the mid-80s, I think, founded by the um, German Mennonite Peace Committee to, yeah, basically um, work with conscience, U.S. conscience objectors. So um, I'm kind of like in a long tradition. Also, there were, as far as I know, like, um, especially like in the Vietnam times, there were places like this here in Germany um, during the Vietnam War times. Um, of course, in that time, there were like um, so much more American troops um, stationed over here in um, Germany and Europe, for that matter. But yes, um, so far, I'm the only one doing it outside the U.S. So to say. How many How many U.S. troops are still in Germany now, and is it is it rising or shrinking? I know some have moved to Italy. I used to live in Vicenza, Italy, and they've built a massive new U.S. military base there and moved some troops down there. Are, are, are troops, are U.S. troops in Germany shrinking in number or, or growing? Yeah, it's kind of like constantly changing. Um, I mean, they, um, of course, they, there was quite a drop um, in around, uh, yeah, like between 2011 and 2012, um, like when Officially, the Iraq War ended, but right now um, they're actually um, they're sending troops back to Germany. They kind of reopen reopen bases. They closed in 2012. Um, right now, they're talking about like um, needing like an additional 5,000 troops um, along the edge of Europe. You know, like going go east, so to say. And what they're doing right now, they kind of reactivate bases around or around the area here in Kaiserslautern and Rammstein. So, yeah, it's an on and off depending on what 
going on in in um, in the politics, so to say. There were times there were like many many more soldier stations in um, Germany or Europe for that matter. Um, you mentioned Vincenza and Vincenza and in Italy and Germany bases are they like belong together. So they're in Italy, but they basically belong together. And um, what happened in the recent years is that they, um, of course, took closed bases down. But on the other end, they expanded other bases, and they just kind of, it seems like, yeah, like they're concentrating um, on lesser bases, but bigger ones, let's say. And and there are still many thousands of, of U.S. troops there. It's really hard to tell because, of course, like, it's really hard to, like, find official numbers. And as I just said, it's kind of, like, changing on and off. I think, like, the official number right now is, like, 50,000 troops in Germany. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell because of, yeah, constantly changing troop, troop level. Um, but what we see here right now is that um, troops are coming back. And, and um, so what does your work... What does your work consist of? Are troops contacting you who are interested in, in getting out, in becoming conscientious objectors, in deserting, going AWOL, uh, resisting in, in various ways? Yeah, it, uh, and that's also um, kind of changing over the years. Of course, it's like, especially like during the beginning of the Iraq War, years of the Iraq War, they, uh, we worked with a lot of objectors but also with um, quite some troops coming back from their first or second deployment and going AWOL because they didn't know how to get out. But right now, that's not so much the topic. In the, in the recent years, um, of course, we had a lot to do yeah, with military personnel being highly um, yeah, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and not getting help um, from inside the military, but also a lot of people just being kicked out for disciplinary problems and then it kind of changed to like trying to help people to yeah not just being kicked out and losing all their benefits but helping them to to find help first off with their um, PTSD problems but also um, trying to help them to get their benefits it's a constant change but in in recent years there have been cases that have made the news over here of of US soldiers uh in, in Germany refusing to fight uh, some of the names like Augustina Guayo and Andre mm-hmm. Shepard some of our yeah. listeners may have may have heard of and you you worked with IVAW and some of these mm-hmm. and, and Veterans for Peace and some of these soldiers and and held held a public uh, winter soldier hearing and, and, and other public events of that sort, didn't you? Yes. Um, yeah, especially, like, between, I think, like, 2005 and 2009, um, there were quite some um, soldiers going there or, or, like, yeah, going for conscience objection. And um, also, they went public a lot. And But, yeah, if you, if you look back, I mean, that's quite... It's just, like six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and But we still work with Andrew Shepard. His case is still not resolved, so to say. Um, he's, like, kind of still hanging in the air about um, what's going on with his um, asylum case. Um, there's, like, no decision made yet, and um, so that's still ongoing. But he's living in Germany, waiting to to legally live in Germany. Yes, he's living in Germany. Um, 
And, I mean, he's he's quite on the safe side. He's not totally endangered right now. Um, but he uh, definitely wants to go through with his case. And uh, it seems like it's, it's like really, I don't know if you say that in English, it's like a time play from from official side because no one wants to make a decision on that. Well, at least it's not a bad decision. Um, so, so what uh, what does life look like at the at the coffee house? You have you have concerts and public events, uh, and you uh, meet troops and and provide counseling. Um, yes. Well, a lot of the counseling questions because, like, obviously, not every American soldier is stationed right here in Kaiserslautern. So, a lot of the counseling questions. Um, go via email. Um, well, most of it goes via email because not everyone is here in Cape Town, so to say. Um, well, but the, the coffee house, yes, um, it kind of like it, it changed a little bit over the last four years. Um, um, like right from the beginning, it was always important to me, you know, like to also have like a cultural um, cultural events here um, and like movie nights, but also like information evenings, um, speaking events, all kinds of things. Um, interesting enough, it kind of became, also became like a, yeah, like a meeting point for um, all kinds of people, not only um, American military people, but also like, um, yeah, like younger people who are um, engaged in, in peace work and also a lot of people who are involved in anti-fascist work over here because that's obviously a big topic um and so there's like a really good mixture of all kinds of people that use the cafe as a meeting point or for their events yeah we're we're and also sorry go ahead sorry um i mean like um we also have like a pretty good selection of like info materials like books and all kinds of flyers and pamphlets and um uh, i think like if people will come in they can already see where we're coming from this is like clearly like an um anti-war cafe um right now we do have um this exhibition up like um the exhibition from IVAW, like um yeah, like posters talking about what IVAW did in from 2004 till 2014. So people can clearly tell what this is all about. Very good. Uh, we're speaking with Micah Caps Schubert, who is the co-founder and the current manager of the Clearing Barrel GI Coffee House in Kaiserslautern, next to Rammstein Air Base. Um, what has what has changed, if anything, in your work uh, since Rammstein's role in in drone murders around the world has become a big news topic, uh, and there have been new activist uh, campaigns started up uh, against Rammstein to shut down that operation or to uh, shut down the base entirely. I know that we at RootsAction.org are. Uh, launching a petition together with a lot of other organizations uh, asking the, the U.S. and German governments to shut down Rammstein entirely. Um, how uh, how have those issues played into your work? 
Um, well, Ramstein was was already here when we came here with the cafe. Sure. And um, to me, um, to me, it was always pretty um, clear what's happening over there. Um, but like, yeah, luckily, like a lot about the, especially about the drone operations, uh, was quite in the press the last, I would say, two or three years. So it became more and more um, a topic, also in the in the in the German public. But it still kind of seems that because um, a lot of people in Germany are not aware about um, Rammstein Airbase and not, not even aware of um, still having like so many American troops over here. Um, it's, it's very um, it's a, it's a thing like more in the south of Germany. So um, I just recently met some people in Hamburg, and they are just like totally unaware that there's still troops here. So yeah, it is. It is a big topic in in some, yeah, in some, yeah, the, groups of people. There, there, people are unaware that there are still U.S. troops in Germany at all, or just in Rammstein. No, in Germany at all. I mean, it's basically most of the the the, the military the U.S. installations are like more in the south of Germany. So. Um, you clearly have people not knowing that there's still troops in Germany just because they have nothing um, to do with it or never had Americans in their area. Um, so, yeah, that, that's weird. That's <laughs> but that's how yeah. it really is. It's incredible um, to me. So I mean, there, I, I, I saw a new film uh, this week called The Bomb Hunters about the 100,000 bombs from the U.S. and the British still hidden in the ground in Germany and still killing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a World, yes. War, World War II still going on in all of these ways, and the troops have never left, uh, and, and people don't know it. On the other hand, I spoke with... I spoke to a group of Democratic Party activists this past week uh, who had managed not to know that President Obama is killing people around the world with drones. So I think it's it's entirely possible for people to avoid knowing things. Uh, I I guess education has to be a big part of your work. Well, also, you had areas in Germany where, you know, like after Second World War, you know, like they had... um, like other other um, allied troops um, stations, like like if you go more to the northwest, you have like British troops stationed there. Um, so yeah, like people are just not aware that yeah, it's still ongoing sort of thing. You you mentioned uh, you mentioned mentioned anti-fascism activism, and this has come up in relation to protesting Rammstein that the you know the peace groups don't want to work with the with the fascists who also oppose the US bases uh, but are mm-hmm. racists and sexists and so forth um, is that a is that a major problem for the peace movement in Germany um, I would say yes um, it's, um, I understand if it's like really hard to from an American perspective um, to understand like the internal Struggles that going there, that are, yeah, like going on here in the in the peace movement. That's been going on for quite some years. Um, yeah, it's like an internal discussion. It's not solved yet. Um, yeah, like some some parts of the peace movement are just like open for um, right um, to right wing groups, and other groups are not. Yeah. So yeah, there's um, there's a little bit of 
yeah, discussions and struggles going on, and um, yeah, it makes things complicated, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, also, also Germany. <laughs> it's probably a bit weird to explain. Um, uh, it is. It is. There's also the opposite approach to, uh, uh, or the the extreme approach to uh, Israel and Palestine uh, issues that you that you find in Germany. Um, the uh, the um, other thing I, I think may have impacted your work uh, about five years ago. You told me uh, Germany became a so-called all volunteer army, uh, military, just like the United States. Um, and, and, and so people go into the military because they want to, or because they need the money and and so forth. Um, so is, is counter recruitment, uh, among young Germans part of, part of what you engage in now? Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. Like to me, it's sometimes like a little bit like a deja vu, um, like the discussions I've been having um, inside the peace movement like many years ago where people, I got, you know, like when I was telling people that I work with American soldiers, that people were going like, well, why? Why are they complaining? You know, like they choose to be part of the military and now they come back and um, complain about it. And interesting enough, I have the same discussions again um, about, um, yeah, about the German army. Yeah. Um, it's been it's it's been a big change since they um yeah changed into a all volunteer military. Um, I mean the problems are basically the same that we know of the um, U.S. military, not in the big in the big scale as the U.S. military, of course, because it's much smaller. Um, but um, yeah, we're like really going down the same path, so to say. Um, there's a lot of effort and a lot of money put into recruiting people in schools and, um, you know, like, um, yeah, or like doing these nice festivals, you know, like and inviting young kids to, um, yeah, like, yeah, like look at like the tanks and the weapons and things. So we're basically doing the same um, as in the U.S. And, um, yeah, and also I would say, I mean, in in the U.S., we were always talking about the poverty trap. Um, I think it's not as, as tough as in the U.S. because, like, there's still a little bit left of our social system. Um, but it's clearly that um, a lot of very young people choose to, um, yeah, join the military because of, yeah, um, yeah, money reasons. You know, like um, they, of course, um, promise people, you know, like come to us, you can have a career, you can, um, we, um, we pay your college, um, and all that, so. And, and are yeah, you counseling, are you helping young Germans find other alternatives than going in, and are you helping any, any get back out? Um, sometimes I do have to do with German soldiers. Um, the good thing is, um, it's just kind of like slowly starting to, be on topic. The good thing is that, um, like for many many years, the um, the church has uh, a, did like a really good work in, in helping these people um, to do like a civil service. Like before we had a volunteer military, you were able to choose to do civil service. So um, these places or these organizations um, still 
do that kind of work. And um, as far as I know, like just recently, like the numbers of conscience objectors inside the German military are like um, rising um, on a really high level. Um, and also um, because like the conscience objection um, cases um, are kind of like the decisions on that are made inside the military. Um, like the the um, numbers of people getting denied are like really high as well. Um, with the same argument, you know, like you put so much money in your education and they don't want to let people go. So um, it's slowly starting to, yeah, to be more and more in the public also. And um, yeah, I do sometimes get like calls from um, from soldiers just because. They uh, obviously found me on the internet or um, yeah, a couple other sources that are out there. So it seems to me that this is probably something, if we like it or not, here in Germany, we have to um, create more awareness that there is um, large numbers of people who <laughs> probably want to get out of the German military um, in the next years to come. And the same goes with, um, yeah, PTSD and um, and soldiers or veterans um, having problems to, to get help inside the, uh, like from the military. So we're having the same, yeah, the same problems um, getting bigger. Yeah, you you mentioned that you've worked with the uh, Center on Conscience and War, which I know is a wonderful organization in Washington D.C. and elsewhere, uh, and that you try to work with uh, with other groups in the United States uh, across borders on this on this work. Um, I, I know that we uh, I work with World Beyond War, and we're trying to work with groups in Germany and with the International Peace Bureau and other uh, activists there. Um, how have you been able to, uh, to, to benefit from working, you know, across borders with U.S. groups that are, that are dealing with the same stuff? Um, well, yeah, the, the uh, Center on Conscience and War, they are, pro like, they are like our fiscal sponsor over here. Um, so, um, I mean, we're like officially, officially uh, part of the GI rights hotline. Um, so um, I work like very close with people from the CCW um, um, regarding cases where um, I don't really know what to do. You know, like a lot of um, cases really require to have like a deep insight into military law, and I just don't have that. So if I get like a, um, if I have a case here where um, I just don't know what to do about it, I'm working with the CCW and I've been doing this for many years and they're like a really good partner in that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all, it, it's always kind of, um, kind of hard to, to network um, over the pond, it seems. Um, yeah, I've been working with IVAW, um, like actually since they've been, been around because I always had the feeling like um, from over here that IBAW um, does a brilliant work and um, is very close to the soldiers I work with. So, um, yes, I've been um, working with them for a long time. Um, I'm part of the Civilian Soldier Alliance. Um, and also um, I'm working with people from the Veterans for Peace. I'm also a member 
So there are these connections. Um, yeah. Those are dumb. A little bit hard. I, I think those are some of the best groups you could name. I'm, I am an associate member of Veterans for Peace and think everybody should be. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, I think a lot of people listening, a lot of people in the United States imagine that conscientious objectors and uh, deserters and, and troops who go AWOL are extreme exceptions and rarities. Um, and yet I've seen numbers above 50,000 uh you know, in recent years, uh, d- going AWOL from the U.S. military. How uh, how big do you think it is, and how how common? Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. People always ask that question. It, it's hard to tell. Um, I could imagine um, that there are like way more um, uh, U.S. Uh, soldiers or veterans just somewhere here in Europe we don't even know of. Um, because they didn't have any problems. They might be married to someone in Germany or Europe, for that matter, and not having the urge to kind of like, um, you know, like, yeah, clear up the situation. So you never know. I mean, it's really hard to tell how how much people are, like, really out there. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you uh, mentioned already a couple of um, kind of famous um, public cases. Um, yeah, but I, I, it's really hard to tell how many people are really out there, you know, like just living their life and I not re- popping up somewhere. <laughs> We we have just a couple minutes left. I read a good article that mentioned your work and was focused on an, uh, on a handful of different uh, uh, soldiers who who left uh, and uh, I think were in Canada at least some of them and uh, and one had been assigned to welcome and comfort injured U.S. troops uh, when they returned to a, a big hospital in Germany from wars abroad, the Landstuhl Regional Medical Center, uh, and and he hadn't been trained like a doctor uh, to deal with seeing such horrors, and he was traumatized by it. Is I mean, is that something you run into in Germany? Is troops, without even going off to war, are traumatized by all of the other troops coming back from the wars? Um, not not directly, um, yes, uh, like on a personal level, but I can really um, see that this is happening a lot. I mean, especially here with the with the hospital and lunch, was you know like that, you know like everyone who was like wounded or yeah harmed in, in any shape or form, so to say, was going via lunch to a hospital, um, and they're also expanding that, by the way. Um, so yeah, not not personally, but yes. I can see that, um, and also I've been yeah I've been um, um, in contact with some of the um, um, people in Canada, um, and of course like Andrew Shepard's case would be so important um, as a good example, especially for the people in in Canada still kind of like waiting what's going to happen with them and are you know like sitting in church asylum for seven or eight years or even longer. So, yeah, Andrew Shepard's case is still kind of very important on, like, really international level, so to say. 
Well, we need those examples, uh, but I think the example of having set up uh, this coffee house in Germany should be an example to, uh, what, 174 other countries around the world with U.S. troops in them. Uh, we've been speaking with Micah Kapps-Schubert. She's the co-founder and manager of the Clearing Barrel GI Coffee House in Kaiserslautern. We will have uh, links up on the website at talknationradio.org. Micah, thank you very, very much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. I'm traveling around the United States right now doing events with my new book, War is a Lie, second edition. I hope to see you. Find the schedule of events at warisalie.org. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.